Welcome to the Cybersecurity Simplified Podcast, where we take the mystery out of today's top security threats and solutions. The nerd in the basement and other myths about hackers. Hollywood loves to pin the takedown of the FBI computer network on a hoodie clan teen in his parents' basement. That is so 1990. Sure, there are still hackers that fit this description, but make no mistake, cyber criminals are not lone wolves. They are organized and operate like any legitimate business. In this episode of Cybersecurity Simplified, we'll talk about who we're actually up against in the fight against cybercrime. I'm your host, Susanna Song, Director of Communications at Highwire Networks. And I'm Dave Barton, Chief Technology Officer. Well, how are you doing, Dave? Good to have you back on the show. I'm great. Uh, I'm a little suspicious of the title because, as you can see, I'm in a basement. Um, yeah. I think you came up with this title just for me, but well, I'm not the- a nerd anymore. Uh, let's be clear. Okay, <clears throat> but here's what's funny that you say that you're in the basement because I'm thinking about the show Mr. Robot. It's on Amazon. I think it's... Love um, that show. Yeah. It's a great uh, series about, uh, what's his name? Elliot... Yep. Um, he is an antisocial cybersecurity engineer by day and a vigilante hacker by night, right? Right. So does Hollywood have it right? Is this how you it know, really is? It's interesting. Um, I've talked to a lot of my friends who who have moved from the, the dark hat to the, the white hat type of hacker folks. Um, Wait, that actually happens? It does. <laughs> um, I mean, you, you, there's a ton of folks you could you can pull out of the news who – were arrested for doing something bad and part of their sentence was to be good um, and, and to become a white hat helping versus hurting kind of approach. So that, that does happen. Um, but, you know, to, to answer your question, um, that show is, is as close to almost factual that we see in the cybersecurity hacker world in terms of how you do things, Right. They're using tool sets that I used 15 years ago. And I'm like, oh, I remember that. I know, I know what they're doing. Um, so it, it's a great show. If you haven't, if you've never watched it and you're in cybersecurity, you should because you know it's kind of like the cuckoo's egg book, right? <laughs> if you haven't watched the show or you haven't read the book, then you really haven't seen cyber uh, hacking and how it works. So who are these guys, David? Like what even motivates someone to be like, hey, I'm going to become a hacker? So, you know, I think uh, I'm, I'm going to kind of approach it at a higher level and then we'll we'll dig down to the details. Um, you know, who, who are the people in the basement? It, today, what you're seeing are hackers who are funded by state organizations, by organized organizations. Um hacking in and stealing things, right? At the end of the day, intellectual property is the number one theft. And the second is fraud. Although depending on what year it is, <clears throat> you might argue frauds on top, right? How many times have you seen a COVID email or, um, you know, click on this link or do this and it leads to, you know, send us some money, we'll send you a COVID test, right? And at the end of the day, if, if you dig into that, you're finding there's some spear phishing that leads to credit card compromise, which leads to fraud, right? So you've got organized crime stealing money, right? It's easier for them to put a guy in a basement, right? 
and and juice them up on coffee or whatever it is that they love to drink and and put them to work right and so they're teaching people there's there's you know what we teach certified ethical hackers to do they're teaching them to come steal from us so, so there got are the, employers that are yes. looking for people. Okay. There are wow. services out there. Uh, ransomware is a service, right? It's crazy. You can go pay X amount of money for ransomware and they'll deliver it for you and you make money off of that, right? Ransomware is a $3 billion industry. Think about that outrageous. number. It's outrageous. Um, two years ago, depending on where you went on the dark web, you could get zero day exploits. Right. And a zero day is Microsoft has a problem, but nobody knows about it yet. And the hackers find it and they find a way to exploit that. And then they sell that to the highest bidder. Right. And so you, you could get a, a menu of, of zero day exploits. In fact, these companies were paying hackers to find exploits and they pay them more depending on the type of attack. So, for example, if you could write and a, a zero day for Apple, you were making $40,000, right? Because everybody's got one, mm-hmm. right? If you could write a, a zero day for VMware or blah, 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 you're making 20,000. And so I would find it as a hacker. I might, I might exploit something on my phone and figure something out. And then I sell it to these services who then sell it for big dollars. So it's a lucrative job. There's, there's so money to your point, to your question, why, you know, why do we have hackers? As we dive deeper, it's all about money, A. And then the second piece is the nation state, which is stealing secrets. Those are your two primary motivators. Now there are still those guys like on Mr. Robot who are in a basement and they may have some socialist leanings or social activism or act activist leanings. We call those guys a uh, hacktivist, right? They are, they are hacking for activist purposes. They still exist, right? But they're not necessarily looking for credit. They're looking for an activist purpose to, right? for change. That's right. Um, but I think the, the fourth one that we don't really talk much about is the intentional employee misconduct, right? Somebody's leaving. And so uh, I'm a DBA. I've got access to the, to the database itself. I go dump all of your patient records and I put them in a file and I take it with me, right? So I think the short answer is those guys may be not be in a basement, but they're doing hacker stuff for personal gain or for stealing of secrets. Yeah, that's interesting. You mentioned the last one. I, I never, it never crossed my mind, those devious behaviors from ex-employees uh, of yours. Or, or internal, right? Because I'll tell you a story. I used to work for a large telecom company and we brought in, uh, we, we had a partnership with an, an Asian comp- country or company in an Asian country. And um in that process, they came into our organization. They were in our conference room. And, and what I had done before they all arrived was I put tools in place to monitor, right? Because I wanted to know if they were trying to go drive around our network with when they shouldn't be. Right. And what we found on the very first day was two people who were trying to break into our network from the inside. And so I walked into the conference room where all these 40 people are that were training. 
And I said, you and you get up, you're leaving the country tonight. And they did. And, and what I did with that approach was I, I set a message, a very strong message. A, we're watching. B, we're not going to tolerate it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, to your point, um, you know, that's nation state trying to steal stuff from us in America who, who arguably have the most innovation anywhere in the world. Now, there's some other places that are catching us, right? Um, you've got you've got Israel's doing significant innovation, which is amazing for a small country. They're doing some amazing stuff. Japan's doing some amazing innovation. India, all three of those countries, in addition to the U.S. and Canada, are getting hammered by people trying to steal our data, mm. trying to steal our inventions. So where do hackers learn the skill set to do uh, such damaging work? So I think a lot of it is there's so much material on the internet, right? If you, um, if you Googled, how do I become a hacker? You'll probably find pages and pages of places to start. Um, and if you're really good at it, you, you dig deeper, you find relationships with people who also are hackers and, and they start to teach you stuff, right? And you teach them stuff and they get better and you get better. Um, and I think, you know, the other piece is, is because we've turned hacking into a service, if you've got money, you don't have to become a hacker. You just have to go pay the people who've done all the work. It's brilliant. And for me, as somebody on the other side of the fence, it's scary. Yeah, that was actually my next question. You are a crime fighter. Uh, you run a cybersecurity business division for high wire networks. And to think that there are, uh, there's someone on the other side who's, you know, spending as many dollars or more uh, trying yeah, we, to disrupt what you're doing. You're trying to provide security and they're trying right. to create. You, at crime. the end of the day, Susanna, we in America can't outspend them. We can't, we can't out hire them, right? Because they're, they're paying these people they bring in who have aptitude and attitude and they teach them and they give them all this fancy stuff. They're paying them pennies on a dollar and they're attacking us all day, every day. Mm-hmm. Right. We can't, we can't outspend them. So we have to be smarter. We have to have better controls. We have to have tools like XDR, right? If you saw our last podcast, it's all about visibility. If I can see the bad guy coming in over here, then I can put tools in place to protect what they can get to. Um, and if you move to that zero trust model, which we haven't talked about yet in any of our podcasts, but, but that's the evolution of limiting access, we're going to have a much better chance of protecting that intellectual property versus letting them have it. So uh, you're saying that in order to stay one step ahead of the bad actors or these cyber criminals, that uh, we need to keep evolving our tools. We have like you to, said XDR. Right? If, if we believe for a second that we're good enough, then we should just close our doors and go home because the bad guys aren't stopping. Mm-hmm. Right. If, and, and the truth is, if you look at the history of cybercrime and, and attacks and the frequency of the attacks, if we were getting better across the board, then the impacts would be shrinking and they're not. They continue to take millions of records from large organizations with large budgets. Right. I could I could tell you about a large retailer that um, 
has 600 security people on staff and they got compromised by a third party, right? A third party account. They're spending more money than, than we'll make in our lifetimes mm-hmm. on security, right? Then, then I, I don't even, I, I don't want to quote the number, but they're making, they're, they're spending a ton of money on security and it wasn't enough. And so the struggle for the mid-market SMB space is if, if these large retailers are getting hammered, even though they're spending all that money, how can we even expect to get there? Right. And I, and I think the answer to that question is you have to find a partner that's forward thinking, that's looking ahead, that is evolving their technology stack, right? Their security stack to provide better visibility, better response, better correlation, all of those type of things. Yeah, that you bring up another great point, the fact that it takes millions of dollars to have a robust security team. And like you said, even that huge retail giant, uh, they had 600 plus on their team and they still got compromised. You don't necessarily have to spend the dollars to hire a CISO and a, a team, but you can always you know, outsource, right? Find Absolutely. a managed security service provider. To- That's exactly right. Uh, One quick question, Uh, this actually, um, it made me think about what you said in regards to um, the two outsiders who you kicked out of the conference room because they were trying to hack into um, your former employer's network. Do you get law enforcement involved? Like how effective is the FBI? I know that they've got task forces and training alliances. Uh, They know that cybercrime is just as much of a problem as violence on the streets. So shed light on that. Great, great question. Um, Earlier in my career, as I was building security programs, I was probably more leery of opening the kimono and and letting them in. But as I, as I've evolved in terms of my skill sets and my competencies, the FBI has as well, right? So there's two agencies in the U S that, that if you're running security, you should know the Secret Service, right? Most people don't realize financial crime falls in their purview. So if you're supporting banks or financial institutions, you should know your Secret Service people in town because they exist. You just don't know who they are. The second one's the FBI, right? They they handle all the other cybercrime. So getting to know them means when something bad happens, I'm going to pick up the phone and call them and the resources they have that can help are huge. Now, they may not chase everything that you want them to chase, but if you're dealing with a big outage or a big breach, um, having them in your corner is important, right? Because they've got the wherewithal to go and find those guys on the other end who may have taken your data. They have the ability to go correlate or coordinate with Interpol and, and all these other places who have law enforcement there to go and go steal, go, go confiscate a server, right? I I worked for a company where we had the FBI and the FBI sent their people and they got a server from another country and brought it back. Right. So it it, it seems a bit intimidating. Right. And and frankly, it's because we watch all of these shows like Mr. Robot or, (laughs) or other crime shows where we see the feds and we have this negative connotation. But I would encourage anybody who's driving and running security programs, get to know both of those organizations because you may need them. And, and yeah. they want to help, right? They want to help. They've got really good people. 
that, you know, I, again, I, I've seen their skill set evolve over time. Used to be, we'd say, hey, we've got this hacker and, and they would be, you know, the glazed look. We, we don't do hackers, but now they do and they do it really well. So I, I say leverage them as much as you can. Yeah, they do a great job. Well, it's always a pleasure to discuss cybersecurity with you, David. And it was interesting for this episode to explore the psyche and behaviors of cyber criminals, uh, because it's crazy to think, but if it weren't for them, we wouldn't need cybersecurity, right? That's right. Well, thanks to you, our listeners, for joining us. And if you have feedback, as always, you can reach out to David or myself at marketing at highwirenetworks.com or just leave a comment right here. Be sure to join us for our next episode, Cybersecurity's Most Wanted List. Until next time, I'm Susanna Song. And I'm David Barton. And you're listening to Cybersecurity Simplified. From all of us here at Overwatch by Highwire Networks, thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time on the Cybersecurity Simplified podcast. To learn more, visit us at highwirenetworks.com slash podcast. <laughs>